welcome to Navigating Life, a podcast by Lighthouse Baptist Church. This week we continue in our series, Our House, and Pastor Tim takes us to Ephesians 4, looking at the calling that we have received and how we are supposed to live it out in this world. Let's listen and learn together. Well, that's a surprise. I've been wanting a Harley. So I got one this morning, apparently. Thank you, Miss Tammy, so, for pastor appreciation. Thank you very, very much to all of you. Uh, many of you have showed uh, all of our staff love this month, and we uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, today is the uh, last day of pastor appreciation month, and I, I really, I really do enjoy it, really do appreciate it, but sometimes it's, it feels a little bit awkward, I'll be honest. So at any rate, uh, I thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that. So do me a favor. If you have your copy of Scripture, uh, or you power it up, however you, you read God's Word, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh Today's message is just going to be structured a little different than, than typical. Um, you know, usually I have points, you know, every um, message, sermon has points, you know, to, the, to that particular passage and preaching or what have you. And so um, God's kind of pressed on me this week to do, do something different today and, uh, <clears throat> and just walk through chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, word by word. We talk about um, studying Scripture or preaching Scripture and going verse by verse through it is the best way uh, to stay true to God's Word. And, and, and I believe in that. Uh, today we're going to even go word by word through the first, at least the first three verses because um, I think there's no better way to say it. Now I struggled with this because I, I thought, well, you know, if if I don't if I don't have points, God, is that really? This is my conversation with him, of course. But if I don't have points, is this a a sermon or a talk? Now, some of you may be aware, and some not. But there's among the the current like hip popular preacher circles, you know, the, the, the terminology has changed from sermon to talk. You know, he's going to give a talk. Well, in the, you know, in this talk or in that talk, he said this or whatever. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't strive and have no desire to give a talk. And I'm sure most of you don't have a desire to hear me talk. Um, I'm not trying to be, nor do I ever want to be, Stephen Furtick. Uh, he has a church that puts out good music, but his theology is wrong. Uh, I don't, it's hip, it's popular, and not just him, I'm not picking on him, there's plenty of others, but, but uh, you give a talk, you know, it's, I, I want to I preach a sermon. See, the difference is, I, a sermon takes the scripture and gives it to you as the scripture says, 
with an idea that you, or a desire that you do something about it. It's a persuasive talk. It's, I, don't, I don't make any bones about that. I'm going to stand up here and just tell you what the Scripture says and you take it for whatever and, and I'm, I'm not going to press it on you. No. I, listen, I'm telling you this morning what this book contains is not just life-changing, it's eternity-changing. And how much would I have to hate you to try to downplay what the Scripture says so that I'm more popular with you. I love you more than that. So uh, we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read it first, and then we're just going to walk through it word by word and, and, and look at see exactly what's... Now understand, this is uh, Paul speaking, or it's a letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus which is a conglomeration, really, of churches in the area of Ephesus. Be like the Church of Georgia, you know. And uh, So it was, he, he planned for a lot of different people to read this as he, he wrote this letter to them. Today's message called, Our Community, Unity, and Calling. So that's our community, our unity, and our calling. Is what we're going to look at in these first six verses today. And I hope that uh, we all learn something from this. But the biggest thing is I hope those that need to will leave here, or all of us need to leave here changed today. Starting in verse 1, he says to the church of Ephesus, Therefore, and we're going to, we're going to look at that in, in a few minutes, what that means. But he says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live or walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit throughout the, uh, through excuse me, the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Man, listen, that the song we just sang, I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power. No wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Now, here's before we go forward, I, I challenge the first service. I, I want to issue a challenge to you. Let's just stop and think for a moment. If, I, if, if you're having a conversation with someone and that person said, I believe in God and I believe in the Bible. I would venture to say almost all, if not every person in this room, would ascribe to that, right? Everybody believes in the Lord in here, for the most part, hopefully. Well, I, I mean, I, if, listen, if, if you're in here and you don't, that's, you're in the right place today, brother. Because, <laughs> uh, But what if this person you're talking to said, yeah, I believe in God, and I believe in the Bible. But, you know, there's some things that I think I know better than 
the Lord about. I think there's, there's some things that he just doesn't understand. Culture today. God doesn't really, you know, when he wrote this book, he didn't know. It just, he just didn't have the capacity to understand how things would change over time and the greatness of America and how people are going to, you know, change. And, and, and he, just didn't, it, he just didn't realize. How, how much faith would you put in that person? What would you think about that person? Now, I want you to kind of capture that, screenshot that thought in your mind right now. And as we go through this, when you feel pressed in upon, you feel, whoa, I don't know about that now, preacher. You know, I don't know about that, Bible. Then I want you to refer back to that screenshot you just took in your mind of that person and what you think of them. And the ignorant statement that God didn't understand how things would turn out or that God didn't understand how things would be today and that you have a better way. Let's look at this, break this verse down, verse 1. Therefore, you see this, therefore. What do we always do when we see therefore? We ask the question, why is it there? What is it there for? Right? What is therefore, therefore? Because starting with the word therefore really is beginning in the middle of a statement. You know, you ever had someone quote you and you're like, whoa, 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 you only heard part of the conversation. You ever been there? You ever been getting angry and upset with someone because they only told half of the story? Well, that's what we would be if we didn't look at and see what therefore is therefore. When he says therefore, that means he's referring back to something. In other words, because of what I just said, the following is true. Well, we can't understand what the truth is. It follows it if we don't understand what he just said. So we're not going to read all of the first three chapters, which is what he's referring to. But I want you to go back to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and read this with me. This kind of sums up a lot of it, but it, we'll look at a few verses right here leading up to therefore, so that we try to make sure we have that good foundation to understand what he says thereafter. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Gentile Christians. Gentiles are everyone who's not a Jew. So everyone who is adopted into um, God's grace is who he's talking to. So if, let me just make it clear. If you're in this room today and you were once lost and there was, ever came a point in time in your life where you said, as we've already witnessed this morning, I understand the Scripture, I know the Scripture, and I believe in God, but today I want to make Him Lord of my life. And all of a sudden, things changed in you. Your desires changed, your heart changed. You began to look at the world different and people different. You experienced salvation. If, there's ever been, if that's ever been you, then... He's talking about you here. So, so understand this. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Notice the words he uses here, dead. 
Listen, I don't know how you came into this room today, but you didn't come in here needing to be a better version of you. If, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and, there's, and what I just described has never been you, in other words, you, you've never, your language hasn't changed, your finances hasn't changed, your, 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 how you spend your time and your talents have, has not changed, you've just like prayed a prayer and nothing else changed. Listen, you are dead. You don't need to be a better version of you. You need life. You are dead as a hammer. There's nothing breathing in you. And you need Jesus to come and put His air into your lungs and so that you may live for Him. That is, that, that, make no mistake about it, this is prior to salvation, we are dead in our trespasses. There's nothing good in us. It says, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world. Notice this. He says, before Jesus, you lived according to the ways of the world. In other words, you can be the greatest person to ever live on this planet according to society. And the funny thing is, that depends on when you live, right? You think back across time. Standards have changed in what makes a good person, hasn't it? Absolutely. Some of you have seen it change in your lifetime. What makes a good citizen of, of your country and your, your city or whatever? <laughs> That's the thing about it. As long as you're trying to live according to the world standards, it's a moving target. This has never changed. It's been the same from the day God said, right, thus says the Lord. God, God said, hey, get your pen out, David, and write this. And he did. He said, John, write this down and tell it to the churches. or tell it, Write this down. I want my people to know this. And it has never, ever, ever changed. See, he says here, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world. And then he goes forward so, in verse 19. So then... In other words, because of that, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens in the saints and the members uh, of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In other words, you, listen, there was a time where you was dead in your trespasses. You were, you were evil and there was nothing good about And listen, when I say evil, I'm not talking about you were like a mass murderer. That's not, that's what we try to think of because we want to compare ourselves to the world and to other people. And so, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not, you know, what? no. We've all fought, Scripture says in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we're all dead in our trespasses before Christ. He says, that's terrible, but notice there's hope. There's hope. So then you are no longer foreigners, strangers, but fellow citizens. In other words, you've been adopted into this family. Now, you were that person, you were dead, but now God's changed you. So see, he's talking to Christians here. So then let's look at verse 1 in chapter 3. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard 
haven't you? About the administration of God's grace that He gave me for you. God's grace. Not earning. There's not a person in this room or that has ever sucked one piece of bit of oxygen ever who has done anything to earn grace or it wouldn't be grace by definition. I mean, think about it. You say, well, I'm so glad I, I earned grace. You can't earn, you can't. This, it's not possible. That would be a purchase, a business deal. You know, if, if, if God said, hey, if you'll do this and you'll live like that and you'll, you'll accomplish this in your life or, or, do, or put this much money in the offering plate, whatever, then, then I will, I'll let you come to heaven. That would be a business transaction. God's not in business. He's in the grace business. He decides who, and, and he gives grace freely. He says, for this reason... On behalf of you, just you, you've heard, haven't you? The administration of God's grace that He gave to me for you. So this, then let's let's go look at verse eight. This grace was given to me, the least of all these saints. Notice Paul, the author of the majority of the New Testament, says, "I'm the least of these." Notice this attitude of humility. Now, now Paul, in my opinion, probably in, in the history of time, as far as a great person, evangelist, so to speak, would be second only to Jesus. Now, there's some others who did other th some things better than him or whatever. We, we, we can have that debate, but here's the point. All these rock star preachers today that, you know, make their, I don't know who they are based off their popularity and, and all of this stuff. There ain't a single daggum one of them that ever put a period or a comma in the, in the Word of God. All they can do is read it just like you and me. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Through by God, God gave it to him, and God chose him. And, and Paul said, hey, "Who am I? I'm the least of all these saints. I'm, I'm just I'm nobody." Now, that's he says on account of all of that that we just said, I, the prisoner in the Lord. What does that mean? What are prisoners? Why do you think he's relating to himself as a prisoner? Well, think about it for a moment. When does a prisoner eat? When the one who's in charge of him gives him food. He don't go to Burger King. He, he can't order Grubhub. <laughs> okay, I mean, everything he does is controlled by somebody, right? So, he, what does he wear? Whatever the prison, the, the, the warden says wear. Okay? The warden, you know, there used to be a sheriff out in Arizona, I think it was, that was famous for putting his prisoner in pink uniforms. 
And it, it was, so they fussed about it and complained about it, but you know what they wore? Pink uniforms. Because they didn't have a choice. The one who was in charge told them what to wear. It told them what to eat, when to eat it, what time to get up, when they go to bed, everything. That's part of being a prisoner. Paul says, I, the prisoner in the Lord. In other words, God, I don't, I've, I've given up control of my life. I no longer decide where I go to church, when I go to church, what I'm going to wear, what kind of diet I eat, where, how I spend my money, what, who I have relationships with, how I speak to people, what job I do, none of that. There is nothing in my life that I'm in control of. The Lord is in control of everything that I do. That's key. Notice, he says, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge not, you know, it would be a good idea if you did this. See, this is New Age preaching. Well, here's what the Bible says, but you know, really, here's, it would be good, it would be best if you did this, but that don't, if, if that offends you, uh, don't, don't work, never mind. Cancel that. If that offends you, it's okay. I, we don't want to offend anybody. The Bible's offensive, you know that. Truth is offensive. Truth is offensive to a lie. See, that's the key. When, when the truth is offensive to, to, to sin, he says, I urge you, I, I'm imploring you, I'm pushing you, I'm, I, I'm asking you what, to do what? To walk or, or live worthy of the calling you've received. Let's talk about, first of all, what does it mean to, to walk or live? It, it, what he's saying here is how you do business at work, at home, in the grocery store, at Starbucks, <laughs> at, in the neighborhood, with your neighbors, at the ball field, uh-oh, wait a minute, at the little league ball field, how you, he said, I urge you to walk and talk and act a certain way at the little league ball field when that Blind umpire calls a strike on your baby. Listen, when your 14-year-old girl comes home crying because he broke up with her. Uh-oh. I can't think of anything any worse. So he says, look, father of three girls, I have, well... This is being recorded, in. I, I, I don't know the statute of limitations is up yet. So, listen, he says, I, the prisoner in the Lord, in other words, God's controlling everything I do, I urge you to walk, talk, and act in every aspect of your life. You go about your business. You handle your life. How? Worthy of the calling you've received. What is the calling you've received? God said you are wretched and you are dead in your trespasses and there is no life in you and there is nothing good. But I'm going to come along and give, breathe life into you and I'm going to take you from death to life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm choosing you. And now I'm putting my, that means I'm putting my name on you. And, you, and I'm sending you out. Remember how we close every service today? Or every service every Sunday? You're not, you're not dismissed, but you're what? 
You're right, because you are sent out. How are you sent out? You're sent out with the name of Jesus on you. I've shared with you many times before, as I was a teenager, wretched and and just terrible person, my dad would tell me every Friday as I left the house, remember who you are and whose you are, son, because I was raised in a small, fairly small town, and everybody there knew him. And they did not see me misbehaving and say, look at that Tim. What they said was, look at Herschel's boy. That's the preacher's kid. Look at that Sizemore kid. They didn't, listen, when I misbehaved, it didn't just reflect on me. It reflected on my father who gave me my name. The same thing works for you and I when you're getting cut off in the line at the Kroger or at the gas pump or at work when the boss makes you work overtime and you didn't want to or when the co-worker leaves you work to do that, that you shouldn't have to do. And, and, and when your kids misbehave to you or when, when the, whatever happens that, that ruffles your feathers you need to understand you have a Father who has given you a name and what comes next is going to reflect on the glory of Him. He says you ought to walk. You ought to live your life worthy of that name He's given you. He goes on. He says to live worthy of the calling you've received with, uh, so how? How do we do that? With all humility. With all humility. How many people enjoy being humble? You ever prayed for humility? It's like praying for patience. You ever prayed for patience? You know how you get patience? Through trials. God said, okay, I'll give you patience. Let's give you a trial so you can learn how to be patient. So humility works in a similar way. What is humility? It's, it's, it's not weakness. See, so, for so many years, I didn't want to, to live the Christian life because the Christian life cornerstone, and I'm just, this thought's coming to my head, so I'm, I haven't worked it out, so if it's wrong, I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm just thinking out loud right now. Maybe the the cornerstone of the Christian life is humility. It's certainly a, major, certainly a major part of it. Now, I'm not talking about the cornerstone of Christianity. That, that would be Christ. But the cornerstone of living out the Christian life, I would say, is humility. You must be humble. I can tell you this. If you're not humble, you're not living according to the Scripture. You're not. You're in sin if you're not living humbly. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I got to just like open my doors and everybody come and take whatever they want and, you know, just step all over me and I just take whatever's said and people lie about me and I just say, oh, yeah, you're right? No. No. It's just understanding when I look at that person who is deep in the sin and who has a terrible attitude, they're a wretched person, I look at them and, and think, you sorry, rotten scoundrel, you deserve hell. Right? No. I look at them and, and think, but for the grace of God. 
Listen, but for the grace of God, there go I. That's me. The only thing separates me from that person is the grace of God. I was once dead in my transgressions. It's, um, notice, uh, it's probably the best picture of a Christian as a humble person. And I got proof of that. Go study the life of Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't call us to be no doormat. No, he didn't. But I want you to go and read the story of Jesus' arrest this afternoon. Read the story of Jesus' arrest. We're heading into his birth season, you know, Christmas. But, but that happened for a reason, and it was for his arrest and his, his murder. But think about, is he standing there before accusers who are having an illegal trial it was illegal for them to have a trial at night. And they had it at night under the cover of darkness because they were afraid the people would revolt. And they knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew what they were doing was wrong. And so they put Jesus on trial at night in an illegal trial. And Jesus didn't pitch a fit. You understand, all he had to do was think it. And they would have fell dead. Every one of them would have fell dead. And all of their ancestors that were, were around and all of their offsprings would have fell dead. He could have stricken them with a terrible disease right before everybody's face and, 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 and just did anything he wanted to do. If you can imagine it, he could have done it. He's in charge of all of creation. And he stood humbly before them. It didn't mean he, he couldn't stop what they were doing. He chose not to because he loved them. And, he, and listen, he loved you. He loved you enough to endure the pain. Humility is about representing the one who gave us a new name. Notice this. With all humility, how else? With gentleness. Now, it doesn't mean, guys, that doesn't mean, that doesn't say sissiness. Alright, y'all know me. I'm, sissy ain't in nowhere in my DNA. Okay, nowhere. I, 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 I tell people all the time, I, I, I have a passion for men's ministry. I think it's 97% of the time, am I right, Caleb? Can't find her. Yep. 97% of the time, when a man gets saved, so will the rest of his family. That's, listen, that's just numbers. I, I mean, it is what it is. So I, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist, but if I want to reach most people, maybe if I reach the men, 97% <laughs> of the time, I'm going to reach the rest of the family. So, you know, that's, that's why I don't, I, don't, um, I don't, you know, this whole culture thing of, you know, um, doing away with our masculinity, bull crap. I know that's not preacher talk, but that's, my, that's, that's the truth. Listen, God made us different for a reason. 
He, he made me different from, from Tanya for a reason. And I thank God for it. What if we had all... I mean, I, I'm, I'm thank God we're different. Gentleness does not mean being a, a doormat. You know what it means? Let's, let's go forward and you'll see. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. See, that's gentleness, I think. Because what, what you notice, he says, with patience, that's, that's, that's just giving people leeway to be wrong sometimes. And sometimes you find out you are you actually the one that's wrong. You don't have, you know, but it, some, it's just saying, I don't, I don't think you're right, but I'm going to have patience. Or that's getting on my nerves, but I'm going to have patience. Or, Whatever, you know, when every time someone says something that you disagree with, you don't have to comment, okay? Every time somebody posts something that's ridiculous, you don't have to post a counterpost. You, you ever, uh, you seen that meme, uh, uh, the guy says, um, you know, I just made this, typed this whole long post and then the Holy Spirit made me delete the whole thing? You ever been there? Sometimes it's about patience. See, but, but notice the next word. Here's, what, here's what's going to tie it all together. Bearing with one another in love. So think about gentleness, humility, and patience. We need to bear with one another in love. It, what is that word bearing? It means carrying a load. Sometimes, Jesus didn't say here, or, or, you know, or God didn't say through Paul here, that everything's going to be hunky-dory and you're never going to get upset with your neighbor or your spouse or your child or your, or your Sunday school teacher or your pastor. What it says is, when they're wrong, okay, then you just bear patience. It mean, it, the word bearing literally means carrying a load, a burden. It means it's going to be tough. But you are to endure that. And, and, and I think we are to even heap that on and say, listen, I love you. I want to carry this burden for you. In other words, I want to be patient with you so that you can see Jesus in me and it might come to a point to where you give your will to Him and He saves you and you and I can spend eternity in heaven and that's much more important than me being right about what the temperature should be set on the controls in the sanctuary. I should bear with one another in love, not gritting my teeth and going... I'd like to tell that joke over something, idiot. I could just tell him. You know. No. It's looking at someone and going, let me tell you something. I love you so much. I'm going to bear gentleness. I'm going to deal with you gently. In other words, listen, we are not to, um, you know, people that I've said many times before that whole verse. Judge not lest you be judged. Y'all heard that before? Yeah. Every, every non-believer in America knows, or in the world knows that verse. And they use it wrong every last time. That's, it does not mean what, how people say. Y'all know the story where Jesus talks about um, not to try to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a telephone pole in yours? Everybody knows that one too, right? And they use that one right out of context. Because what they don't quote is the, script, the verse right next after that. 
that tells you to remove the pole from your eye so that you can see the speck in the brother's eye better. See, I am to be gentle and remove the sin in my life so I can more clearly see the sin in your life. And then I'm to, as, as, as uh, Ephesians says, to gently set the bone, the broken bone. It doesn't say I'm to let you walk around with a broken bone and a limp and say, oh, I don't want to judge him. That's his, that's his limp. I'm not going to get involved in his limp. No. I'm to come along and say, listen, this is going to hurt. This is going to be tough. But I love you. And I'm going to go through this with you. I'm going to have patience with you because you're the one who broke the bone. I'm not going lambast you because you've, you're the one who's taken on the sin and got the sin in your life. I'm not going to blast you, put you on blast and, 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 and you know, subtweet you all over you know, social media. About, you know, and I, I'm going to gently love you and set this bone for you and remove the speck from your eye. See, somewhere, somehow, we've come to this belief that Christianity is one of two things. Either we're just accepting of everything because we don't want to offend people. So let's just be non-denominational. Don't draw any lines about theology. And let's just be wishy-washy about everything and just accept everything. That is not in Scripture. Or... Let's be mean. Look down our nose at people. Tell them how sorry and terrible they are and how they need to get out of their sin and, and they, should, you know, they shouldn't be doing this and we just straight up mean because our mama and our daddy taught us to have a, a stiff back. Yeah, when, 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 when the French try to invade us, we're going to have a stiff back and we're going to wipe them out. But listen, when my neighbor cuts his grass a little bit too close to mine or blows his leaf clippings over on my, over on my, my driveway, I'm going to get the blower out and blow it off and help him finish his yard. He's not my enemy. He's my friend. And I should be. Have humility and gentleness and patience while I bear the burden of loving him. Is that, is, that, is that you? Let me, let me ask you this. As Greg and him come on, I want to ask, I want to paint a picture for you. I'm so glad you could. I can't believe you came back, Tony. Tony's glutton for punishment. He was here for the first service. He slept through part of it, so he came back for the second half. No. I used Tony in the first service. As an example, let me say this. If somebody came up to you and said, there was this lady who just lost her husband. He died. And um, she's struggling right now, you know, in, her, her, in, in a lot of ways. And Tony heard about it. And Tony went over there with his lawnmower and his weed eater. And while she was at work or at the grocery store or whatever, and he cut her grass. And he, he, he even edged the driveway trim the shrubs and put down new pine straw. And, 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 and he was gone before she got home because he didn't want her to know he did it. 
He just wanted her to feel the blessing of the Lord. Somebody told you that story about Tony. What would you say? I would say, and I'm, I'm not at all surprised, because Tony has that kind of heart. Let me ask you this now. If somebody told me that about you, what would I say? Or anybody. You know, if somebody said that about you to somebody else, what, what would they say? Because I'm going to tell you, there's some people, if, if you told that to me about them, I would, I would be like, really? Wow. <laughs> now, I, might, I would probably be like, God's doing a work in their life. But do you know some people who you would say, Mm-mm, no, <laughs> no, that ain't happened. His wife made him do that. That joker mean as a snake. He, 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 he ain't never done nothing for nobody. He's worried about himself. Let me ask you, can you this morning be honest? Be honest about yourself. And this ain't about cutting people's grass. It's about being nice and being loving and having patience. If, if, if the last time somebody crossed you and did something bad to you, completely unjustified, what came next? And was it glorifying to the name that Jesus has given you? Maybe this morning you need to, you need to go to somebody in this room and say, I have wronged you. I didn't treat you with kindness. I didn't have patience with you. It may be your child. It may be your mom or your dad or, or, or neighbor or just somebody that, here in church. Maybe this, you know, last night there was things with hectic. You know, we, we, we served, thankfully, a thousand people or so here on campus. Maybe you got irritated with somebody. Amen. It was great. It was, it was a blessing. Maybe you got irritated with somebody last night because they didn't bring the candy to you fast enough, or, or they, or they, you know, they, 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 they moved their little booth over on your, your, in your parking space a little bit, you know, or whatever. And maybe you need to go to them right now and say, you know what, brother, sister, I didn't have patience with you. And, and, and look, maybe there's some coworker at work. Let me ask you: if your coworker at work, I went to them and said. So-and-so goes to church with me. They're, 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 one, they're one of my faithful members. What would they say? I don't know how many times I've been in the public. Group of people talking. And one makes eye contact with me as I'm walking up. Hey, preacher! You know what that means? Y'all don't cuss. ask what's the pattern of your life somebody once said if you were put on trial for being a Christian would it be enough evidence to convict you maybe this morning you've never given your life to Christ you believe him you've come to church you, 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 you believe what this Bible says but you haven't applied it this is like having an, an instruction manual to put put together, you know, you, your wife orders that, that uh, new piece of furniture or that, that shelf at home and it comes in the, in the mail and, and, it, and it finally gets there and you pull out the, all the parts and there's a thousand of them and you go, whoa, the picture looks good. I like the picture and I want that, 
but I don't know that I want to go through the effort of putting all these pieces together. That's kind of how we do the Christian life. We have the, the manual that gives us all the instructions of where every piece goes, but we're looking at it and we're overwhelmed by it. And can I just have the picture? I don't really want to go through all that, that, that long suffering, that patience, that bearing with people. Can I just have the picture? I just want the heaven. That's all I want is heaven. Listen, you got an instruction manual just sitting there. Have you ever applied it? This morning, will you come to this altar and say, Jesus, come into my life, save me. I'm a wretched sinner. I am lost, and I need you. And there's no way for me to live this life apart from you. Will you just stand and come to this altar this morning, right now, as, as we sing this song and, and, and cry out to Him? Or maybe there's somebody you need to come and ask God forgiveness for the way you treated them. Or you need to just come and listen. You've committed to sin against them, against the Lord before you have them. Maybe this morning, come and get your heart right with God. And ask Him, ask Him to show you a picture of your life. Would someone be surprised to know that you're a believer in Jesus?